funny how? It'd be funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Welcome to the Silver Screen Video, your first episode of 2023. Hope everyone had a great and safe new year. This is your host, Jonathan and Jacob. Jacob, how's it going? Are things getting cold in New York? You seeing a lot of snow? Has anything started to happen weather-wise? I know the weather's fickle up there. It's fucking freezing up here, man. Okay. As I was saying that, I literally thought, man, how many episodes have we started asking about the weather? And now I feel like I'm 90 years old. Well, as long as you're not watching the Weather Channel, that's the you can ask about the weather, but just you know, once you start watching the channel, like it's all over, brother. Well, I'm gonna stop us right here because we actually did a bit about the Weather Channel a while back. So did we? I think we're heading down that lane again. We did, oddly enough. I think we're heading. Uh, I think we got both got fucking Alzheimer's at this point. That is true. We've been doing this a long time. You know, we're, we're, we're heading into year three, guys. So uh, for any long-term listeners, thank you for sticking with us. Uh, any new listeners, thank you for checking us out. But also, I have to take a second. Thank you for the kind messages we have been getting on Twitter. We appreciate uh, hearing that. It actually does help us. So if you ever think, man, this podcast isn't going to care if I say thanks for the Thanks for the fun content. It really helps me with this or that. We will care. So let us know because it is really nice to hear. Yeah, we have been getting, um, yeah, we've been getting a lot of great feedback uh, kind of at the end of the year, you know, just like little notes. um, You know, it's, yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice uh, to, yeah, to have you guys reach out. So yeah, if you ever, ever want to reach out in those Twitter DMs or just say, hey, or whatever, feel free. Um, Now, I didn't want you to find out this way, but I have been deleting all the messages that say, Jonathan, we love you, but (laughs) Jacob is dead weight. I've been deleting those before you can read them. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. (laughs) I just, I didn't want it to hurt your feelings. No, no, I appreciate Uh, you doing that, man. Thanks. (laughs) Anyway, guys, uh, seriously, we do appreciate it, and it, it is nice to hear uh, we have been doing this a while. We we have put out over 160 episodes, which is crazy to even think about. But uh, anyway, kicking off 2023 with a bang. We've got a uh, we've got a couple of newer movies we're going to discuss because I, I I had to pitch JC. I had to pitch uh, I, JC. Well, you know, JC, Jacob, whatever. There it is. Boy, I haven't heard that, that in rare- a while. That rarely happens on here, guys. It anyway. really does. This is late night. Yeah, this is another late night <laughs> recording. My nickname came out. See, for people who don't we, know, this is what John calls me in his normal life. But for some reason, on the podcast, he calls me my full Christian name. So this is because it sounds more professional. Well, than, uh, and we are we are anything we are nothing if not professional. Um, That's very true. But yeah, it's uh, uh, wow, fantastic. I'm you know that just made my night. I'm glad to hear the old nickname come out. Well, uh, I had to pitch Jacob on this idea for these two movies because look, guys, we didn't necessarily. I like one of them more than you. They're newer movies that came out 2022. But we want to talk about them and kind of dive into like some bigger issues that we see. But next week, we are getting back to it. We've got a great pick. We're going to get back to classic cinema. 
hit you guys up with a good one. So uh, I think this week's going to be interesting just to kind of to kind of uh, to dig into this a little bit. Before we start, I do have to get into a movie I recently watched, a movie you guys might remember reading about on Twitter. It was a big flop. Um, the movie is Bros. You remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Billy Eichner uh, gay rom-com, right? Yeah, okay. So I watched that because it was free. I didn't want to go pay for it because comedies are always hit or miss. But I, right. but well, it was free on my... homophobic, so that's... <laughs> that contributes. <laughs> there's that, too. Yeah, there's there's actually a couple of contributing factors. Right. Um, but anyway, it's it was free on... I think it was like fucking Paramount or Peacock, one of the two. Anyway, so, I, so, so my wife and I watched it. And it was fine. It was it was funny. Like I ask very little from comedies. So as long as it can make me laugh a few times, I I like it's okay. It, it passes, whatever. But a couple of weird things. Billy Eichner, oddly enough, and I know he's not listening, so it's okay, was the weakest part of the movie. Like by far. Really? Which I find to be really strange. Luke McFarlane, who plays his boyfriend, never seen him in anything. He's wait, fucking hilarious. Wait, his boyfriend? <laughs> yes, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, to your to your ears, that might sound crazy. Huh? Um, but but it is 2022. But no, seriously, he was really fucking funny. Like he was so much better than Billy Eichner, and so was the surrounding. Like, dude, his his ensemble cast he put together, fucking hilarious. I don't know how they wasted Jim Rash. Who only he he barely gets to be in it, but he was fucking hilarious. Also, Dot Marie Jones was fucking hilarious. Like like when they were on screen and this group was working together, it was a really funny. It felt like a nice ensemble comedy. But Billy Eichner, he was just unbearable at times. Really, just with just with just with the way his character was. I don't know what they were going for. But, you know, like I said, I asked very little from comedies. This movie nailed two things. It consistently made me laugh for the most part. It is a bit long for a rom-com. It was two hours. But also, clearly, guys, if we're going to watch a rom-com, we've got to be able to root for the couple. And at the end of this movie, they did a good enough job to where you were rooting for them to get together. Because clearly they're going to because it's a rom-com. But the the issues that they had, like, you know, you're obviously your big incident. That's always going to happen in the third act, you know, to break them up and then they get back together. It was really well done. It didn't really feel super contrived. And then them, the ending of it was really funny as well. Like I thought it was well done, but I was really blown away that Eichner was the worst part of the movie because I like him. I think Billy on the streets. Great. I thought he, he came in like a hurricane to parks and rec when they introduced him. But I, I was blown away by uh, by how unlikable he was in this movie. So is his character similar to the Billy on the street kind of persona or is it completely different? I mean, I, I, it's hard because Billy on the street's great because he just fucking puts a microphone in your face and yells at you. Right. <laughs> but but with this, like, don't get me wrong. Like, clearly, this is dealing with waters that that unless you were unless you have been marginalized before. Like you're 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 not gonna be able to relate to some of it. So clearly, like there's a barrier of entry that when you when you watch it, like you have to kind of accept that from the beginning. So I can't judge his character too harshly because a lot of what he was saying was right, but 
it was just, I feel like you could have maybe did a little better job of like, I don't know, being less abrasive. Right. But you would have to watch it to get what I'm saying because I'm not saying what he was saying was wrong, but he was very abrasive, very in your face, like very honestly, the first 10 minutes or so was really preachy, which I'm fine with if you can make it funny. But it just I don't know. It had its flaws, but I can see why it flopped in the theaters because it was too long. Honestly, an hour and 55 minutes. I feel like it could have been I feel like it could have been trimmed down a little bit. Which, to be fair, I think Trainwreck's too long, and I love Trainwreck. Just naming another rom com off the top of my head. So, yeah, that's um, hmm, that's interesting. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I I feel like you know, with some, like the the burden of representation, I think it's called, where like there's one big studio gay rom com, and we have to get it all in. You know, we have to get all the all the messages we want in and it's like, like you can't just have two gay guys in a rom-com, you know what I mean? Cause there's only going to be one yeah. and we got to make this one count and whatever, 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 you know? And so I can see how there's kind of like an undue, you know, burden on the film as opposed to just, uh, two guys getting together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing is there were some, there was a really funny scene. Clearly you can't really spoil a movie like this, but there's a really funny scene where Billy Eichner's character takes steroids <laughs> and <laughs> then something happened and he freaks the fuck out and he's just screaming, I'm on steroids. This is roid rage. <laughs> and it was hilarious because that's not how roid rage works. And also it was his first dosage. So that doesn't apply. But that scene would have hit so much harder if he hadn't been that way the whole movie. Mm. Like the whole movie was like roid rage, Billy Eichner. Right. So that scene didn't hit super hard. Mm. Uh, but that's just an example off the top of my head. But either way, dude, there were some really funny parts that I thought were genuinely hilarious. And uh, like I said, I can see how it didn't work in theaters. Clearly, I think rom-coms in general are like a thing of the past. I know that the George Clooney one, Ticket to Paradise, made a decent amount of money when it hit theaters a few weeks later. But it didn't make a ton. Like they're ju- They're not the draw they used to be. So... Sure. I mean, anything, anything that's not a big fucking event action movie, you know, like is, you know, come on, it ain't happening, man. You know? Yeah. Avatar and Top Gun are really the only post pandemic movies that have like actually pulled in cash, you know, before, before we get into, cause I was going to say something, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, what have you been watching? Anything fun outside of what's going to be on your top 10? Anything fun you've been watching you want to talk about? Um, honestly, no. I've just been watching top 10 stuff. I was going to I was gonna pull up Letterboxd and see if there's anything that I... Um, yeah. Uh, while you do that, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you and the listeners. There was a tweet that you sent out on New Year's Eve. Um, it is not a representation of... Of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, it is just, it is just, it is just the representation of my co-host who happens to be very wrong, but I believe on 2023, you had a list of things that are in and things that are out. Right. And on your list of things that are out, you put, uh, Guillermo del Toro. Um, no, I will not allow it. Not on this pod, not on my life, buddy. I mean, it's, it's already out there. You know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's not true, guys. Okay, don't be <laughs> fooled 
Don't be fooled by my co-host who's being persistent. The last time you attacked me about this Del Toro thing was when I was in Ireland and you you attempted to ruin my vacation by sabotaging me (laughs) with Del Toro slander. And I'm tired of it. I will not stand for this. Um, All right. Sounds good. I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, guys, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna double up on these on this movie on these movies because we're not necessarily this isn't going to be a rundown of each movie. This is going to be a conversation about the problems. Not like we've like we've talked about Marvel in the past. We've talked about some of this shit in the past. Clearly, we're not here to be redundant in that regard. But there is a movie in particular. I'm sure you've heard of it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. So you watched it and tweeted out some unfriendly things about it. And I had, not, I had not watched it yet. So then I watched it and I got through the first hour and I text you and I was like, it's not bad. Like, it's not as bad as you say and it's not as good as other people say, but it's fine. Let me tell you, that last 80 minutes, <laughs> 70 minutes, fucking insufferable. Mm. Insufferable shit and i'm sorry if you are listening to this podcast and you love this movie that is great i can tell you there is a movie that i love that has been getting a lot of shit as well that's the way it is with movies it happens so i i don't want to be mean about a movie everyone loves and we're clearly not being contrarians we have no reason to be contrarians we're just being honest i commented all i did on a post on twitter was say everything everywhere all at once shouldn't even get a nomination and because of that post, someone called me racist against Asians. Mm-hmm. So we see where the conversation's at with this fucking movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, and we're going to touch on Glass Onion. Because me and you disagree on this, but I think it it adds something to the conversation. Because I believe that everything, everywhere, the problems that plague that movie with its story and its concept and just the very root of it. I think Glass Onion is a different beast entirely in terms of I like it, but it has some bigger issues with it. And I thought that it would make for make for kind of a good kind of team up thing. So can you describe like what were your issues? Is, is there a common thread with both of these movies? Because when we text, you kind of you kind of made it seem like there was a common thread that that basically were at the root of why you dislike them. Is that true? Did I misread that or what? Kind of, you know, I, I don't know. The common thread is I, I can't necessarily draw like a strict critical line of like a common thread between these two movies. But I think that they're both very emblematic of cinephile culture, right? Which is not to say like mainstream movie culture, right? Like mainstream movie culture is Top Gun, is Avatar, is, you know, well, mainstream movie culture is getting smaller and smaller. But, you know, it's the MCU. It's, you know, things like that. It's Ben Affleck. It's, you know, um, Jennifer Lawrence. You know, but I'm talking about in the quote unquote cinephile world, because cinephilia has changed over the past, um, I don't know. 10 years, five years. I don't even. I guess it's probably 10 over the past 10 years with, um, you know, the streaming sites and stuff. And I think letterboxd is 
Letterboxd doesn't cost anything or, you know, it, it literally is just a place to keep track of movies you watch and, you know, talk with other people about movies. But I think that the kind of people who uh, maybe like if you look under a movie and it'll say like popular reviews, like the most popular review of a movie, those are the kinds of people I'm talking about. I don't want to list specific people by name or specific usernames, but you know, there are like um, people who have a lot of notoriety just from reviewing movies on Letterboxd. And, and I think, I think these two movies are, they're indicative of something going on in cinephilia. Right. And what I think that is, is I think it is any port in a storm, right? We, we, we're in a storm that is called the death of cinema or the long, slow death of cinema, whatever you want to call it. I, and I, you know, I know I'm not trying to be cynical, whatever, but it's just, come on, let's, let's be, let's be real here. So us cinephiles, right? I count myself a cinephile, of course, among everybody. We are looking for ports in a storm, right? One of those ports is, is streaming, um, you know, individual content, right? Like if you look at Ingmar Bergman movies, they're still popular among cinephiles, right? If you go to the Seven Seals Letterbox page, it has like, you know, thousands and thousands of reviews, right? Cinephiles are still watching the Seven Seal. They're still watching Bergman. They're still watching Renoir. They're still watching Fellini. Obviously, some of these people are more popular than others. Um, some of these movies are more are more popular than others. But part of being a cinephile is wanting to take place in a large conversation uh, about a movie, right? It's the reason why I have seen the first, I don't know, 15 Marvel movies. I don't know how many there are at this point, but like, I think there's like 26, right? So like the first up until infinity war, whatever that was or Endgame, Like I saw all the Marvel movies. Did I enjoy all of them? No. But I watch them because I want to be part of the conversation. I want to like, oh, everybody's talking about a movie. Well, I'm certainly going to watch that movie, right? Um, and so that is something that we cinephiles want to do. We want to partake in some kind of mass culture because that's what movies are supposed to be. They're supposed to be mass culture. Um, and these are two movies that they don't quite have mass culture, but they are very popular among cinephiles and have kind of had some crossover into mainstream appeal. They're not quite as mainstream as the big blockbusters, but they're movies that are in the cultural conversation that people are going to see. They're going to hear about, they're going to watch. Right. And I think there's, I think they represent two the twin peaks of that, um, of that kind of new cinephilia. One of them is the Netflix movie, right? The direct to Netflix streaming movie. And the other one is the A24 movie. In many ways, I think everything everywhere all at once is like the ultimate A24 movie. It is the A24 movies to uh, to end all A24 movies with its quirkiness and its fake artiness and its emotion, like its random, uh, seemingly slapdash emotionality and all that. And then I think Glass Onion is almost like the perfect Netflix movie. You know, White Lotus is a very kind of similar cultural phenomenon, even though it's not on Netflix and it's not a movie. Um, but it's a conversation piece, something we can all talk about and we can all watch. And these two movies, more than anything I watched this year, 
made me want to never take part in quote unquote, the cultural conversation ever again, because it's so dispiriting that so many people are like, Oh, watch glass onion. Pretty good. And then it's also dispiriting that people are like everything everywhere all at once is a masterpiece. And it's amazing. Like I, I instantly was like, you know what? I'm going to go back into my fucking shell and I'm going to watch some of my unwatched criterions. Like if this is if this is cinephile culture, I don't want to be a part of it. And like, I just had a really visceral negative reaction to these two movies. Um, anyways, I don't know. You talk for a while. That's, that's kind of the, the thread that I saw linking those two. Does that make sense? Or does that, does that read close to your perception of these two? Or do you think they're not linked and they're just two separate movies? It makes sense that, that, that definition, like, like your, your approach to it, that made sense connecting these movies to me doesn't make sense at all. I think that everything everywhere all at once has a fundamentally broken concept. Mm. The rules are never established. It's literally nonsense. Like, and I hate to be so harsh about a movie that so many people worked hard on, but this is like, this is our podcast. We discuss movies. Sometimes the discussions are about bad movies. And I'm sorry, everything, everywhere, all at once is a bad movie. It just is. It makes zero fucking sense. It, it, I don't understand. The only thing to take away from this movie, and, and, and it's directed by Daniels. So it's, it's, it's Dan Kwan and Daniel Schneider. I think is how you say his name. Um, the only thing that makes any sense, because they, they say it in the fucking movie, is basically be kind. Love is the answer. That makes sense because they tell you. But none of the rest of this fucking movie makes any sense. So this movie is fundamentally broken from the top down. It's it's done. With Glass Onion, I have no problem with this movie. It's not as good as the first one, but the first one wasn't like fantastic. Glass Onion is just a movie written by a guy who thinks he's smarter than he is with a fantastic cast with a lot of like tropes, a lot of uh, tongue-in-cheek bullshit, trying to be socially relevant and blah, blah, blah. And also he claims that it's an accident that it matches up with the, with the fall of Elon Musk. But I'll tell you, the reason these movies aren't linked to me is because one of them's a movie and one of them's not. Like, that's to me why they can't be linked. Glass Onion is a act, and is a, it's an actual movie that makes actual sense. And the other one is just a mess. Maybe you can edit it to where it works, but it is a two hour and 20 minute mess. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I completely admit the connection is tenuous at best and, and, and doesn't really merit a lot of discussion, but let's talk. But about- I see what you mean though. I see what you mean. I will say that like in terms of how you're connecting them, like I do think there's there, I think it makes sense. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me like in terms of how how i view it sure sure yeah i mean it's ultimately it's just a a reason to explain why watching both of these movies in a row put me into a a state of despair (laughs) but (laughs) but everything everywhere all at once you're right it's it's completely a degree worse i mean i i want to i don't know how to approach this man because like the the badness of this movie is so self-evident to me when i watch it and and by badness, I want to clarify and kind of, I guess, reiterate some of what you said. The rules of the universe do not make sense, right? This is a very high concept, multiverse, whatever. The rules that, that it takes, the world building makes absolutely no sense, completely incoherent. 
Um, the emotional payoff uh, is equally coherent uh, or equally incoherent. Um, it's confusing what exactly our main character is supposed to be learning throughout all this and what she is changing from and into and what the daughter's emotions are. None of this, none of this is clear. Um, it's also unclear um, the kind of like quote unquote philosophical machination, nothing matters, everything matters. Like it's all very like philosophy 101, not even philosophy 101. It's, it's all very like uh, I watched a YouTube video uh, about existentialism, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's really half baked and corny. And then on top of all that, which that's just a bad movie. Okay. Then on top of that, you have all of these insufferable gimmicks, the, the googly eyes and the rocks and the, I mean, it's just gimmick upon gimmick upon gimmick upon gimmick. And it just, it never lets up. It's just a constant stream of look at this. Isn't this quirky and fun and interesting? Isn't this quirky? What about this? Do you think this is interesting and quirky? Isn't this profound? And the answer is like, none of it is. So the badness of the movie is so self-evident to me that I find myself, the problem for me is really trying to understand what other people are seeing in this movie. I, I, I'm, I'm really, really having a difficult time. I mean, I think some of it is cynical, um, you know, maybe reviewers or whatever who are, I don't know if they're in the pockets of A24, but they maybe have professional interest of pumping up the next A24 movie in return for access or something. You know, I think there's some people like that. But I think there's also a lot of people who legitimately think this is a good, interesting movie. And I'm not I'm not getting it, man. I'm not I'm not wrapping my head around it. You know what I mean? I mean, can, can you even begin to see what someone would see in this movie? It sounds like no, but I, I don't know. Well, you know, early on, I could of the first hour. I told you there were shades in this movie that it, it, it makes sense. It came out at the perfect time. It came out. You know, the world is pretty divided. You know, when this movie comes out, that has got this multiverse and has this pretty positive message and and like I could see that. But then the next hour and 10 minutes or so just completely like it it, it destroys itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like and I, I know I know you don't watch Rick and Morty, but I swear to God, I do. Two, and I've I, seen the first two seasons of Rick and Morty, actually. Dude, I swear to God. The last hour of this movie, especially when they're when they're jumping in and out of bodies and shit, is literally like an episode of like intergalactic cable where every episode or every show that Rick would flip through was nonsense. Just the craziest shit Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon could think of. Right. Right. Like, oh, this show is just like Law and Order, except all the people are corn. Oh, this show is called Detective Baby Legs because the detective has baby legs. Like, that's fine. It's fucking Rick and Morty. It's a goddamn cartoon network show. Yeah, it's funny. It works. But this is a real live action Hollywood movie. When you expect me to give this love story legitimacy with hot dog fingers shooting out mustard and ketchup and shit. Jesus what the actual God. fuck is going on? And once again, I, 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 I don't want to be repetitive. If you like this movie, that's fine. Whatever. I'm not being an asshole to you personally. I know it sucks to hear somebody shit on a movie you love. And odds are some of our listeners like this movie because statistically, a lot of people do. It's been on every top 10 list I've seen thus far. So 
it sucks to hear this about a movie you love, but this is just not a movie for us. Like, I think there's just, there's some, there's some irreparable problems in this movie that I don't think editing or a whole new story could fix it. And that, that's not very good. (laughs) So. Uh, I will say this. I mean, I, I, I suspect I could be wrong about this. I suspect that um, the amount of people who like this movie could be um, overinflated by the the A24 hive mind, shall we say. Um, because A24 has almost, and I, I've heard it referenced as this, as kind of an art house MCU um, which if that sounds appealing to you, well, you're probably not listening to this podcast if that sounds appealing to you. Um, but I've heard it re- referenced as like an art house MCU in the fact that it's like one studio, you know, like a Pixar, like one studio that does one thing really well. And, um, people will go see an a 24 movie regardless of what it's about just because of the branding. And, um, you know, so what I guess my point is in that way, a 24 has become a brand. It's the reason why every Marvel movie gets a 91% on rotten tomatoes, right? It's because, you know, I don't want to know if all the critics are paid, but they're milking the numbers somewhere, somehow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the rigging is, but something is happening. I suspect that maybe something like that is happening with everything everywhere all at once. Um, that, that we get the impression that a lot of people are enjoying this movie. And maybe there are actually less people uh, enjoying this movie than it appears to be on the internet. Um, but that's just a guess. I don't know. You know, I could be wrong about that. But um, I don't know. Glass Onion? You want to talk about Glass Onion? You got anything else on Everything Everywhere? I just, I can't get my head around it. I can't get my head around how it's so, it's so incoherent and so messy and so bad. And yet people seem to enjoy it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I really try, and this is something me and you have talked about. We I, I we joke through text. I I, I <laughs> judging judging from your response via text message, perhaps uh, you didn't like my joke, but I joked around with you and told you uh, I think you're I think you're you're you went into everything everywhere with like this closed mindedness because of what the internet was saying, and maybe that was yeah, motherfucker. You told head. me that when you hadn't even seen the whole goddamn movie. Okay, I will say though, I will say that was partially a joke, but also partially you've told me in the past that can be a problem for you. That's all I was saying, right? So I was thinking, look, there's no way a movie this massly accepted can be that bad. And the first hour will convince you it's not, mm-hmm. which is what's so insane to me. It's almost like these two directors, one of them took the first half and one of them took <laughs> the second half. And whoever took the second half needs to be fired. And the one who had the second half had a severe brain injury. <laughs> So, so you've got this mess of a movie and I typically really try, especially since, since we, we've been doing this podcast, I've really tried to not let my, my, I don't want to say critique cause it's not, we're not, I'm not a fucking movie critic, but I've really tried to not let my reaction be emotionally based in terms of this or that. The last time a movie did this to me was the green Knight, which I still don't understand why people loved it, but I can tell you this, the green Knight was a fucking movie with some somewhat beautiful imagery mm. uh, every now and then. And uh, Barry Keoghan was good. Like there were some positives to that movie, despite the fact that it was confounding to me that everyone loved it. This movie takes the cake. 
like everything everywhere. I I do not. If 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 you were listening to us right now and you love this movie, tweet us or, or whatever and tell us like what you saw in it. And I'm not asking uh, as a condescending way, and I'm not asking to, because we're going to be an asshole to you. I'm being a hundred percent serious because I've I've seen a lot of pushback from the lovers of this movie online, and none of them say anything that makes me see what they see. It's either. Oh, of course, a movie comes along with an all Asian cast and Asian directors or whatever. And like, oh, and people don't like it. Shocker, shocker. Or this movie changed my fucking life. This is the best movie I've ever seen. None of those are helpful. (laughs) None of that information is helpful to me. (laughs) And also, like, I'm sorry. If you want to talk about all Asian cast movies, I've watched a few other ones this year that are significantly better than this shit show that no one is talking about. But that's beside the point. That's that's a whole different conversation. Right. So I, I love, that's I love how people are, are talking about all Asian cast. It's like, yeah, you ever seen a Japanese movie? They're all Asian in those. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, that was the thing. Like that person who came at me on Twitter, I'm clearly not going to engage. I tried to to be better than that, but I was literally just going to respond with a list of, of Asian directors whom I love with their movies and be like, have you seen any of these? Or are you just hanging your hat on everything everywhere all at fucking once right right it's yeah yeah like it's like oh you don't like it because it has an asian cast it's like what like i like okay yeah like so i've never seen a kurosawa movie i've never seen you know like i've never seen any movie that's ever been made in asia like come on man like it's it's this lazy critique that happens with jordan pill movies too if you don't like a jordan pill movie you're a racist it makes zero fucking sense right Right. Uh, yeah, but, right. Because Jordan Peele is the only black guy to make a movie. Um, or make a movie let, dealing with race. Um, but yeah, you, yeah. Want, you want to transition to Glass Onion? Yeah, I'm curious to see what your problems are. Because like, before we before we jump into it, you liked Knives Out, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mostly like Knives Out. Yeah. Yeah, like it was fine. I'll never watch it again. But it was fine when I watched it, you know. Um, this movie I went and saw in theaters because it was playing in Ireland and we didn't have anything else to do. And Netflix put it in theaters for a week. I liked it. I genuinely, like, I laughed. I think Dave uh, Batista is fantastic. And the fact that people are still shocked when they're like, oh, he's the most talented wrestler turned actor that we have. Yeah, no shit. Like, of course he is. Um, But uh, anyway, like, he was really good in it. Yeah, there was some shit that didn't work. But I honestly thought it was harmless. Like, what, what, were you just like, did your bad mood carry over? From everything everywhere or do you legitimately think like no this is fucking stupid i don't think it's nearly as bad or as i mean you know everything everywhere is almost like an anti-movie like <laughs> like yeah you know, i can see that not knives out is knives out is a movie uh or not knives out what's it fucking called glass onion well glass uh, glass onion a knives out mystery some shit right fucking right. clunky title i mean well see i didn't i mean I don't know. You know, I'm sure our, I'm sure our perspectives on this are different. I mean, I didn't you know, I didn't watch this in a theater, much less a theater in Ireland. Like I watched this like I watched this like it was meant to be seen as a fucking Netflix direct to TV, you know, like, you know, monstrosity um, that they <laughs> cost. Like what did it cost? Like half a billion dollars to make this thing like yeah. uh, it. They paid uh, rumor has it. They paid what's his face? A uh, hundred million between the two movies. Some Jesus, shit like that, man. Um, so yeah, I mean, anyways, like, so 
you know, I, my complaint about Glass Onion is not Glass Onion is probably the you know one of the better Netflix original movies, but my complaint about it is that people are watching it and reacting to it and it, it, it seems to have gotten a fairly middling reception from what I can tell, but like it, it, it angered me that this was part of like quote unquote the conversation when it's just another like shitty Netflix movie. Right. And the only thing that separates that is a huge budget, which I guess they, I guess they spent on all actors because you certainly can't see it on screen. And I don't know, man. It's just there's something about it that is just so grim to me. Like, it's like this is warmed over Netflix movie that is somehow the center of the movie conversation for like a day or two. And it's like, Jesus, man, that if that is not bleak, I don't know what is like. I just that that's the feeling I got. It was warmed over. It was just like the the main mystery plot or whatever. Like, I guess it's kind of clever in like a. I don't know, in like a, a trickster kind of way. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't see that coming. OK, yeah, you got me. Like, I thought X was going to happen and then Y happened. Cool. But like. The things that really annoyed me about it. Well, one of them is the way it looks. I mean, Jesus Christ. I don't know. Maybe it looked different in the theaters. Dude, on Netflix, it looked like the the just the ultimate example of the Netflix movie. It looked like absolute shit. Like everybody is just caught in this kind of like yellowish sludge. And it, it there's not there's not a shadow to be seen in the movie. It's just really strange. Um and again, I don't know if that's again, I don't know if it was that bad in the theater, but and then another thing that really got on my nerves is the desperate attempts to seem relevant and to speak to the times in which we live, which is something that he is definitely guilty of in Knives Out. And he's even more so guilty of here. Obviously, the Elon Musk uh, billionaire is, I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's just. Uh, yeah, I want to watch a movie that has Elon Musk in it. Like, come on, man. Like, I, you know, like. I, I, I want to watch a movie with a bunch of rich assholes, you know, like, I don't know, man. And, and, and Bautista as the, the Twitch streamer, kind of Alex Jones selling supplements. And I mean, fucking Daniel Craig is playing that among us game, which the day the movie is released is already a dated reference. Does anybody remember among us? I know it was a game that like people were playing like, during the pandemic a couple of years ago, but like people have completely forgotten about it now. And there's like a whole, like, you know, 45 second bit dedicated to it. Like, it's just, it's like, Hey, remember this? And everybody's talking about Twitter. Everybody's talking about online. Everybody's talking about canceled Kate Hudson's character, you know, and her beleaguered assistant. And it's like, dude, can you just give us a fucking murder mystery in an old house? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like that's the kind of like, that's the conversation. It's like, Ooh, the murder mystery is back. And it's like, is it? Because this is just a series of like, of like references to the real world. This is not escapist at all. It's not particularly fun. What am I supposed to, what am I supposed to, what's my reaction supposed to be whenever Kate Hudson is like, I got canceled on Twitter for saying a slur. What is my reaction supposed to be? 
is that funny? Like, uh, well, like I'm genuinely like other than just grim acknowledgement of the real world. What is that supposed to bring me? Like, I, I just, well, I like, do, I do think, sorry, I, go ahead. I do think that was a, well, I'm sorry, I do think that was a problem. Like, I, before we move, I just, I don't want to, I, yeah, I agree with that, but I, I, I can tell you why. But go ahead and finish. I just want to say, yeah, obviously, I agree with that assessment. That, that that's really all I had. I mean, I don't even have that many complaints. I think it's, it's finely constructed. You know what I mean? Like, sure, you, you kind of did a murder mystery, right? Like, you, you tricked me a couple times, and. You know, that there was a couple of twists and turns, but like the interaction between the character, it's like you can t- it's like you can tell that nobody is in the same room at the same time, like <laughs> which is hilarious to me. This movie costs like half a billion dollars and like you can just tell everybody's in front of a green screen and nobody's in the same room at the same time. And then um and then you have um God damn it. What was I going to say? I don't know. Just the, oh yeah, I know what it was. The Somebody posted on TikTok this, like that they overdub some of the lines, which, you know, that's standard. A lot of people do that, but like, there's one where, um, one of the characters, the scientist is saying like, like his, his mouth is going, you know, you can turn that off. Right. And instead they, they overdubbed in, you know, you can power that down. Right. And it's like, why would you change that? Why would you change? Like, why would you, why would you change that? Other than like some kind of like algorithm is like, you know, don't put, don't put the words turn off in the movie. Otherwise people will think of turning off Netflix. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's why it's in there, but somebody made that choice. And I can't think of an, I can't think of a reason why they would do that creative or otherwise, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Just the, the I just watched the movie and I was just just the grim acknowledgement of like I have been mildly entertained, but my God, at what cost? Like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Before I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but this is a prime example of how we watch movies differently. Hmm. Because hardly any of that shit bothered me. I acknowledge that it was there, obviously, and I can see that it's a problem for some people. Like, so I can't disagree with that. But for me, like, dude, I was just paying attention to how funny this shit was. Like, with Batista just being this over the top. Yeah, of course, all these are references. Yes, some of them are dated. But I'm sorry, I'm not, like, Ryan Johnson's very talented. Clearly, he's very talented. He's making movies, like, for whatever it's worth. It's still hard to make get a movie made, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the drill. But... He thinks he's smarter than he is. That's pretty obvious. Mm. So I understand that in his brain, like, oh, having this, oh, man, I was canceled on Twitter for saying a slur, wah, wah. Like, yeah, okay, that's fine. It's fucking stupid. But Kate Hudson did a good job with it. And I'm sorry, seeing Batista fucking walk around talking about the debreastification of America, shooting his gun in the air. I don't give a shit that that's clearly like this reference to real life. I was laughing my ass off. Like, I don't know what that says. I, I, I just thought it was hilarious. I think that shit was funny. Everybody I think did their, did their job. Like Daniel Craig, honestly, wasn't really that great to me until the end of the movie. Whenever he was just basically saying how stupid Ed Norton's character was, which I'm sorry. I don't need a movie to tell me just because somebody's a billionaire doesn't make them a genius. Like, uh, did we really need to be told that? I think that's pretty fucking obvious. 
I'm but, I'm actively like face palming, right? Like I'm my my hand, like my uh, my my fingers are to my temples, just cringing at that that being the kind of climax of your movie. Like Jesus, man. Oh. But I I, like I said, man, like I get it. I see the problem with it. But I, to me, like most of it was just harmless because that's how like not not to sound like an asshole, but that's how little credit I gave this movie going into the theater. Sure. Like we were just trying to kill time before a show, like before we went to a concert. So I was like, fuck it. Yeah, why not? It's a chance to see it in theaters. It's probably gonna be better than watching. Because honestly, I knew if it hit Netflix, I would never watch it. So I was like, I should have, I should have yeah, taken that lead. Because see, my, my thing was, I was like, okay, time to take part in the cultural conversation. And then I was just like, this is the cultural conversation. <laughs> like, like, if this is the cultural conversation, we're in trouble, which we are. But like, I don't need a movie to tell me that, you know, I don't know. But I don't know, dude. Some of that shit was funny to me. I love Catherine Hahn. I think she's great. I mean, the gun, um, Bautista, and the gun. When he gets out of the pool with the gun, I will admit that was hilarious. I mean, dude, my wife and I were laughing our ass off. What the fuck does the debreastification of America even mean? <laughs> like, I didn't tell you. It's great. I'm sorry. That nonsensical shit that I know Alex Jones would say or has said already. I love it because I immediately thought of Alex Jones screaming it. But like you can't. Well, I don't know. That just it just goes off on another tangent of me being a hater, I guess. But like like you can't make fun of Alex Jones. Right. Like you you, like I, I don't mean that's true, but I feel like Batista represented a lot of issues. I just think that it came out with this boisterous, big explosive kind of Alex Jones. But I think he was trying to sum up a lot of issues with honestly, I'm surprised he didn't try to rope, like rope in incel, like have a scene where she tries to come on to him. And he's like, no, I don't know. Like, like try to try to basically, Hey, fit everything in, fit in all the references that are wrong with America right now. Right. right. I'm, I'm honestly surprised that didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it's Jesus, man. I can't even. I'm telling, like, you have no idea how. I, I don't. I don't even know the word. How exhausted, or just how like despairing, something like this makes me. <laughs> like, like it just it just hits different, man. When I'm just like, dude, like, I, it was it was like a, like a combination of like Alex Jones and like. Uh, uh, Rogan, I guess a little bit, you know, and it's just like, uh, oh god, like, and it's like the billionaire, like when he's like name checking the billionaire, like, okay, that's another great example, you know. I'm gonna shut the fuck up after this because I could go on and on and on, but like, that's another example of like the the billionaire is constantly name dropping people, right? It's a recurring gag, right? Like he's constantly name dropping people and he's like, Oh, is that a Banksy? Oh, is that a Paul signed this guitar? You know, and and uh, uh he said Jillian Flynn helped me write this, right? Now the yeah. the movie is portraying him as a kind of a douchebag for making these references. And yet Ryan Johnson is putting these references in his movie. So that people will recognize them. 
right? Like it, Jillian Flynn is not a household name. You have to be somebody who has read a book or knows, you know, knows Gone Girl or like has read it or participates in some kind of literary culture to know who Jillian Flynn is, right? You know, not everybody knows who Banksy is, you know? And like, but he's putting those in as like, eh, see, see, isn't he a tool for referencing that? But I'm smart for referencing it because I'm making fun of him. Dude, he, his head is so far up his own ass. I mean, it's, I, you know. Well, but, you know, I'm going to say this. Uh, before, okay, I, 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 forgot to, I forgot to even mention I watched this, but I think this goes perfectly on to this conversation. Hmm. I think this goes perfectly on with the, this, this movie fits into this trio like they're, like they're, they're fucking brothers or sisters or whatever. Mm. Um, I watched uh, Bullet Train. Mm. And Bullet Train. Speaking of Netflix slop. Bullet Train was terrible. Right. <laughs> um, it was a movie that was so big, with such a big cast, just like this movie. A lot of big names and small parts and a lot of just names in general. You've got Brad Pitt. You've got, uh, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, Ryan Reynolds shows up. He has a little cameo. Michael Shannon. Uh, dude, there's a lot of big names in this movie. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tyree Henry. The movie's fucking awful. It's like, it tries so hard to be cool. And like Brad Pitt's character is absolutely insufferable. He's awful. Um, but that's it. Like that is, like it's almost like some of these movies, you have movies that were designed by an algorithm that hit a home run. Like Top Gun. Top Gun is a, is designed by an algorithm to be crowd-pleasing. Mm-hmm. And it worked because Tom Cruise understands what it takes to make a fun movie. Right, right. These guys do not understand that. Mm-hmm. None of these movies we've discussed, even though we didn't talk about Bullet Train. Bullet Train, Glass Onion, and Everything Everywhere. There is a it, it, It's all like they're algorithm-based. The only difference is Everything Everywhere is like an algorithm that's like, I don't know, a fucking donkey. And then you've got Glass Onion and, and Bullet Train that's like a, a regular computer algorithm that puts everything together and it's like spits out that. Those two movies are way more appealing than everything everywhere. But I think that's they, those two movies represent, in my opinion, the bigger problem with movies right now than everything everywhere does. No, right. Because everything everywhere and, and, and A24 also is, let's be honest, it's a small player, right? It's, it's, it's not a, it doesn't have anywhere near the same cultural you know, like reach of something like Netflix or, or whatever. But like, no, you bring up a really good point, which is like, you can tell somebody's at the fucking helm of, of Top Gun. You know, you think, you know, like we were, we were questioning earlier about Top Gun. We were talking about this off pod about how funny it was that like the supposed lesson of Top Gun was that Maverick has to let go. And that's hilarious because in the end, he doesn't have to let go at all. Like he's, he gets to be Maverick again. And I guess he'll continue to be Mavericking until he, you know, until Tom Cruise kills himself on the set of a movie, you know, like, and it's, (laughs) and, but like, you can tell that is a, that there's a movie star at the helm. He's the biggest ego, you know, like you can tell there's a human being at the helm. Who's like, we are going to give the people one goddamn hell of the show. Whereas you can tell with something like Glass Onion, I'm sure something like Bullet Train, and I'm sure something like The Gray Man, to reference another Netflix slop, you can tell that there is not a single human being at the helm. That the algorithm has taken control, and we are essentially watching movies made by AI at this point. 
And that's what I actually like knives out. I, knives out was fine to me, but knives out looked like a movie. It took place in a setting that looked like something that would exist in the real world. <laughs> like it had recognizable people and characters speaking to each other in the same frame. <laughs> so you knew they were in the same zip code when they were speaking like, Glass Onion has none of that. Like his Ryan Johnson's franchise has essentially been completely absorbed into the Netflix machine. And like, if someone can watch that movie and just enjoy it, like you did on vacation in Ireland, dude, that's great, man. I like, Oh, genuinely, I'm glad that you had an enjoyable experience watching a silly movie in Ireland in a movie theater. Me. It makes like watching this at home at Netflix. It makes me want to lose my goddamn mind. Like, because I'm just like, this is it. This is the movie culture that we have now. It's the MCU, and it's this. <laughs> like, there is no escape. It just makes me insane, dude. I don't. Oh man. Well, I mean, I will say this. I I went back to see if I was crazy and watched some clips online of of um, Knives Out, and like, yeah, dude, it just it just looks so much better. Like, it looked warm. Like Christopher Plummer mm. was like a real actor in this movie, and like the house felt real and the set was real. Everything just looked so much better. So I do agree with that. Like Netflix, I'm sorry, Netflix is a killer. Like, dude, is great, is great as All's Quiet on the Western Front is. It still looked like a Netflix movie. Sorry, but it did. So I mean, they, they put their shit through algorithms. Right. I mean, they literally put their shit through visual and narrative algorithms. And like, sorry, buddy. Like, that's why, I, like, maybe my tweet was mean spirited, but I tweeted it. Ryan Johnson is an extension of the algorithm now. Sorry, bud. You know, the only person to walk into that fucking building and walk out unscathed is Martin Scorsese. The only person. And I guess Spike Lee. I guess you could say Spike Lee, too. Has he made it? Has he made another movie since The Five Bloods? He has not. <laughs> Did Netflix kill Spike Lee? Um, well, I'm just saying, what if his next movie fucking sucks? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe anyway. Maybe Netflix killed Spike Lee. I don't know. But so far, Marty's the only one, man. He walked in. He convinced them to make his $200 million four-hour-long movie and walked out of the building. And it was just like, thanks, suckers. Like. <laughs> Oh, that rules, yeah, dude. Man. I I just don't know. Like, guys, don't don't take this as us being negative. But it, it was a conversation I thought was worth having, simply because we're starting a new year. There's a big slate of new releases from some hardcore directors coming out this year. So I think it's going to be interesting to kind of see. But mark my words, and I don't think I have to be fucking Nostradamus to make this claim. Nobody's talking about Coda right now because nobody gives a fuck about Coda. <laughs> Everything everywhere is probably going to go to the Oscars. It's probably going to get nominated. They cannot deny the love and A24 is going to have a campaign push. I don't think it's going to win, but in the event it wins best picture and six months after at six months after nobody will be fucking talking about that movie. It will be a thing of the past. Yeah, so, that's true. That's what these movies are missing. 
In six months, nobody's going to know what the fuck Glass Onion is. You're going to bring it up and they're going to say, what the fuck? Oh, that stupid movie that came out on Netflix a few months back? Yeah. No, you're right. That's the that's the key thing. No one will remember this shit. It's ephemera, you know. I mean, look at fucking Bullet Train. That was a Brad Pitt-led action movie. Nobody gave a fuck. Right. So. And I guess I guess to wrap it up, I guess that's what that's what linked me in 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 in, in my mind. That's what linked these two movies is the fact that they are kind of ports in a storm for the lonely or for the you know the 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 hungry cinephile, right? Obviously, a twenty four. Oh, we're gonna get something high concept and artsy. Oh, it's dog shit. And then even Glass Onion. Not that it, not that Ryan Johnson is like the cinema, cinephile's best friend, but it's like you think you're gonna be getting like an old fashioned genre piece like knives out is right you think like oh i'm gonna get a like a fun little agatha christie mystery they don't make those anymore and then you're like oh it's a it's a fucking netflix movie you know that's that's kind of what linked them in my mind that these the both of these movies are supposed to be ports in a storm they're supposed to be a fun genre movie and a high concept you know kind of artistic uh, martial arts movie and instead they both fail spectacularly because they they're not doing well. We've talked about why this failed spectacularly, but um, well, I'll, I'll say this: if you want to watch a Who Done It, that's good and better than not a Glass Onion that no one's talking about. Watch, see how they run. You will not regret it. Adrian Brody and Sam Rockwell are fantastic. All right, sounds good. So, to our listeners, obviously, I doubt you watch it because I don't really know if you even like Who Done It, but <laughs> actually, that. Don't. Well, that uh, that movie's better, in my opinion. It's, it's just, it looks like a movie. It has a great cast. It's very charming. It's good. Uh, I meant to bring that up earlier because we talked about it through text. But yeah, that's the funny thing about this. This big $100 million Knives Out follow-up isn't even the best whodunit to come out in 2022. Tough so. stuff, man. But we have more positive things to talk about uh, next week. Wait, is it next week? Uh, if you're referring to our top 10 list, that is not next week. Well, well, never mind. <laughs> In two weeks. Um, uh, maybe. Depends on how much watching I get done. Oh, boy. Well, I'm ready, uh, listeners. By the way, I'm ready. I, John is the one holding all this up. So, send your, send your email. Uh, I have been rewatching movies I've seen before, uh, not watching 2022 stuff. Uh, so, yes, it is completely my fault. You've been uh, making. I watched Night of the, you've been making, I watched Night of the Hunter the other night. Instead of watching a movie, I should be watching. <laughs> You've been making the same decisions. That, that's what I was going to say to to the to the to the lonely cinephile. You know, the hungry cinephile. The only answer is in the past. <laughs> that may suck, but it's true. It's true. Um, I can't I can't disagree with that. So even though I do think all around 2022 wasn't a bad year for movies, but I do agree with you. That's true. It wasn't bad. So I think I think we're we're definitely going to dive into that a very positive topic with with our top ten. So uh, so yeah, we'll get into that and and talk about the great things that happened, the great movies that came out in twenty twenty two. So anyway, are we done? Have we done this justice? This 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 subject that you didn't really want to do, but I kind of forced you to do it. I think so. Should we delete this episode? Uh, please don't destroy. <laughs> um. Anyway, <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know. Please don't destroy guys. I don't know. Kinda, I was kind of, I was trying to play to your sensibilities. You said you liked them. You ruined it. You ruined the whole thing now. Anyway, um, <laughs> guys, uh, we hope you enjoyed this. If you liked knives, if you liked glass onion, 
or everything everywhere. Odds are you're not listening anymore. But either way, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading it, at least. Um, and uh, guys, Twitter, Instagram, hit us up. Also, guys, New Year, make a resolution that you are going to write and review podcasts you love and write and review this podcast. Spotify is a huge help. It's very easy. You just click it, click the five stars, you call it a day. So we really appreciate if you can do that for us. Any Anywhere you listen is good. Anything that feeds the almighty algorithm that we've been talking about for the last uh, hour or so. Um Anyway, do you have anything to add before we get out of here? Yeah. If you even think about giving us a rating lower than five stars, I'll burn your house to the ground. Okay, guys. Well, we will see you next week. Thanks for stopping by the Silver Screen video. Yeah.